You're listening to episode 12 of Speaking with Deacon, Reclaiming Manhood. Speaking with Deacon is a production of the Perusia Podcast Network in partnership with Voice of Charity Australia and EWTN Asia Pacific. Join us as we discuss strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. This is Speaking with Deacon. Hello and thank you for joining us once again for Speaking with Deacon. My name is Mark Griffin and joining me as always, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Deacon Harold, how are you today? I'm doing well, Mark. It's great to be back with you again and with all of our listeners. It's fantastic to be with you. It's the first one for 2023. And yeah, actually 2023 is upcoming is a big year. And once again, we can announce that, that you'll be touring down in Australia again, but it'll be a little bit different this time. Yeah, I'll be uh, traveling with my uh, co-author of my book, Ignite, Read the Bible Like Never Before, Sonia Corbett, and I will be doing a tour together, and I'm so excited. Sonia is amazing. She's uh, an incredible teacher and preacher, and uh, to to do this tour with her is going to be really exciting. We're going to open up the Bible and hopefully um, uh, allow you to even go deeper into the scriptures to connect them more deeply to your everyday life. Absolutely. Now, Sonia is someone that's been introduced to our audience here at Perusia through Virtual World. We actually planned to have her tour down here with you a couple of years ago, but but COVID put an end to that at the time. So we're very uh, grateful that we're able to put this on this year. So I think it's July 2023, I think is what we're, the dates we're working towards at the moment. But this is the book you just mentioned, Ignite, Read the Bible Like Never Before, that You've co-authored with Sonia Corbett, and and there are other resources. There's a full video and audio series on this topic, which is available in a USB device, which is was this this one here. You can plug and play, and all your audio and and your video content is there, as well as the original CD and DVD versions are still available. So so for those who are interested in that, definitely look out for those resources. But the tour down here in Australia coming up in July 2023. Look out for that. that. That's big news for something coming up this year. And once again, Deacon, we're looking forward to having you here in Australia for your eighth trip now to Australia. You jump back ahead of Tim Staples, who's stuck there on seven. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and I always look forward to coming uh, back down under. It's kind of like a second home. So, uh, and, I, and I love the, the people there and, and uh, uh, just can't wait to be back. Definitely second home. You're here so often, we've got your own desk for you here now. So looking forward to having you back here again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, today we're going to be talking about a topic that I suppose is very topical at the moment in in society the way it is. We're going to be talking on the topic of reclaiming manhood. Now, Deacon, this is a bit of a a passion of yours, isn't it? Male spirituality. It's something you've been doing a lot of work in. Um, And... Yeah, it's just something that's, that's, that's really and needs a focus uh, where we are in the world today. Um, where did you find uh, your place and, and, and a need for you to, to present in this particular area? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, male spirituality has been something that I've been thinking about long before I was even ordained uh, as a deacon or even started the diaconate program. Um, because of my situation with my dad, which we'll talk about uh, more in an in a upcoming um, Speaking with Deacon podcast, um, because of the situation with my dad and my parents being divorced and then me having to kind of take over um, uh, his responsibilities in the family with my mom, 
you know, um, as the oldest child, right. Managing my siblings and, and all that and helping her take care of the house. You know, um, I, 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 I had kind of a warped, I guess, understanding what, of what manhood is supposed to be about. Um, he was, my dad was not a great example of what it meant to be a, a husband or a father, you know, and, and quite frankly, if I had to think of God, the father as, as my father, like a human father, I would, I would be an atheist today. You know, um, wow. there was, a, there was even a time where I, I could honestly say I hated my father, you know? So, um, so I, I've been thinking about what, you know, honestly, because I was also, you know, in a monastery for a while too. So I was never thinking about being a father, right? Uh, a, a, a physical father. Um, and so uh, I never really thought about male spirituality until I got out of the monastery and got into a relationship with the woman who would end up being my wife, right? Colleen. And it was in that relationship when that started to grow, where I really started to say, what is my role here? Um, you know, I, 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 I didn't really have a serious relationship before her, um, where I, where I actually thought about getting married. That was something that was foreign to me. And so when it started moving in that direction, I got scared because my first thought was, I don't want to end up like my parents. Right. Um, so I had to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be an authentic man? And especially a man of God, right? And so those were kinds of things I was thinking about. I wrote a paper about it in graduate school and uh, and really didn't think about it again until uh, after ordination. Uh, and one of my uh, classmates had asked me to come to his parish to give a talk on the paper on male spirituality that I wrote in graduate school. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, and I said, well, okay. So I just went and I literally read the paper (laughs) because I I, I was not giving talks on the faith or anything like that. And so the pastor invited me back again. And then the second time someone with the Catholic radio station was there and they said, Oh, you should do something for us on the radio. I said, I don't know anything about radio. What are you talking about? And so I ended up going to the station and doing a little uh, pre-tape show, a 30 minute show called faith and life. Well, uh, Jerry Usher, who used to be the host of host of Catholic Answers Live at that time, heard my little show and invited me to be on Catholic Answers Live to talk about male spirituality. So I said, well, um, OK, I mean, I, I'm I, I'm I, I'm nobody. I mean, that shows like for like Catholic superstars. Right. And what, what am I doing on there? But if you think it'll be helpful, fine. So I did it. And Father Mitch Pacwa who was my scripture professor uh, for um, my scripture professor in graduate school, heard me on Catholic Answers Live and invited me to be on EW10 Live to talk about male spirituality. Right? And so I, I said, okay. So I was excited to go um, more so uh, to see Father Mitch again, because I had not seen him for a couple of years since, I, since graduation and ordination. Um, so it was, it was good to be back. I'd never been to EW10 before. So I did this, this, the show with him and then it started, they started getting feedback and I started getting emails like, what's going on here? That, and that's when I was invited by EWTN to do an entire television series on male spirituality, which is behold the man. And so I kind of never really intended. That's the the full DVD series there. Yeah. So (laughs) behold the man. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I never intended to like be this authority or whatever on male spirituality. I just kind of fell into it as you just heard. But, um, but then I began to embrace it. Right. When I, when I sat down and started putting the script together for the television series, that's when I really started thinking deeply and seriously and looking at documents from the church. And, and, and interestingly, I didn't, I didn't find very much about the theology of male spirituality. You know, um, there was a books on fatherhood. There was stuff on St. Joseph. There was stuff on virtue and pornography and stuff like that and priesthood, but, but nothing on what is the theology that underpins, that underlies what it means to be an authentically Catholic man. There's a tons of stuff in the Protestant world, but the Protestant male spirituality is not rooted in the crucifix, is not mm-hmm. rooted in the sacraments. And so my approach to male spirituality is using John Paul II, St. John Paul II's anthropology. That means his approach to looking at the human person, right? And so I, I, how does he, now he did it very clearly with women, right? Mulieris Dignitatem on a dignity of vocation of women, letter to women are two very, very uh, wonderful documents written by Pope John Paul II, but nothing for men. And so I took his approach to anthropology, uh, Christian anthropology, and applied it to male spirituality and married that to St. Paul's theology of the cross, right? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? I, I want to uh, ex- I-, I want to know nothing, Paul says, except the cross of Jesus Christ, right? So, so Paul's theology of the cross and John Paul II's anthropology, uh, it- I married those together. And that is kind of my approach to male spirituality, Catholic male spirituality. Right. Now, I've, I've heard you give a presentation in the past on this topic, and you actually brought in a scripture quote to paint a bit of a picture of the scene, of, of the landscape, if you like. And it's not necessarily... Um, the, the exact situation we're in now, but it, it does demonstrate the idea that we're sort of a little bit lost and under the influence of, of the wrong power in the world today. I might just read this scripture passage here now. So this is taken from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And as he stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he lived not in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beseech you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and fetters, But he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him to let let them enter these. So he gave them leave. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how he was possessed with demons and was healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked for him to depart from them, 
for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but he sent him away saying, return to your, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now, no matter what our vocation as men, we're called to a life of leadership, whether we're fathers or whether we're, we're priests or religious. We take on a great responsibility and we're called to die to ourselves to meet the needs of, of those who are serving. With all this pressure and expectation upon us, I think it's easy for men to fall into a place of sometimes thinking, you know, I work hard to bring money to support my family and sometimes I just need to relax and escape from life for a while. Or, or similarly, a priest, he could be thinking, look, I work shepherding my flock. Sometimes I just need to get away from it all and, and, and shut it all out for a while, you know, for the sake of my own sanity. Um, I think this can lead men to fall into idle habits. And then down the track, let the evils of the world wash over them. And then, it, like in that passage that I just read, the, the man possessed by demons, um, he, he just basically, the, the evil had washed over him. Now, how can we as modern men today avoid becoming the modern equivalent of that man running around naked amongst the tombs, no longer able to use our intellect, but rather letting the demons of the world control us? Yeah, that, that's a great point, Mark. And I think I, uh, I want to approach this by going, kind of exegeting the passage a little bit. Okay. So we see here that um, this is they arrived in the country of the Gerasenes. So the Gerasenes were Gentiles. OK, they were not Jews. So this, so Jesus, of course, brought the message to, to the Jewish people, right? Because he was Jewish himself. But we see several times where Jesus is also encountering Gentiles, where he's bringing the message of the Gospels to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. So this tells us that the message for male spirituality is for all men, right? For all men. Because what connects all of us, whether we're Christians or believers in Jesus or not, is the natural moral law. Right. Uh, St. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter one and his letter to the Romans chapter two in, in, in both those chapters. Um, he, he says how we can come to know who God is by reason alone, by looking at the environment and the world around us. We can come to know that there is a God. Right. And of course, through Jesus, we come to know him deeply, personally, intimately. But this message is for, for all men. Right. So he goes to the Gentiles and when he stepped out, he was neck bare by a man who. Uh, was uh, had worn no clothes. So our Lord was crucified naked. Okay. Why? Because the Romans not only wanted to maximize the pain in crucifixion and the torture, but they also wanted to strip you of all your dignity to maximize your embarrassment, right? To strip you of every shred of human dignity you had left. So this man was naked. That means he had no dignity as a human being. That's the way he was seen uh, by the people that he lives with. That's why he was living outside of the town. The, he was shunned. He was an outcast. Uh, so he was living uh, in the tombs. And who lives in the tombs, Mark? Dead people. Dead people. <laughs> right? Dead people. So, so it's very interesting. Jesus here does not enter into the tomb to meet the man. The man comes from out of the tombs to meet Jesus. Why is that important? During Jesus' ministry, he never enters into a tomb in order to raise someone from the dead. Okay? Think about that for a second. Let me give you a couple examples. 
the little girl that he raised from the dead, the little 12 year old girl, where uh, it's one of the passages we actually hear probably the accurate words of Jesus because they're actually in Aramaic, which is language they spoke. Talitakum, little girl, arise, right? He went to her house and he raised her from the dead. What about Lazarus? He called Lazarus out from the tomb. He didn't go into the tomb to raise Lazarus. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. The only time our Lord's body would enter a tomb during his life on earth was when it was put in there on Good Friday, right? Because Jesus shows during his ministry, he has power over death. He has power over sin because he is God. So this man who has no dignity, who's living among the dead, he is the one that come towards Jesus. And we as men have to come forward for Jesus to, to Jesus as well in humility. Because what keeps us naked and away from God most of the time is men, it's pride. It's pride. I don't need anyone. I'm I'm my I'm my own man. I'm a self-made man. All this garbage that society throws at us. And we get caught into the lie of thinking that I create my own destiny apart from God, right? That's not think. That's not putting on the mind of Christ. That's not. That's not thinking like a person of faith. That's thinking like the world, right? And, and so when we do that, we're like this man who has who has not really truly encountered Christ in his life, and and, and, and before he encounters Christ, he is naked. He is stripped of his dignity. He's living among the dead. Right. And, and, and so Jesus, he comes to Jesus and he falls down and he says in a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, who's speaking here, Mark? The demons. The demons. Yeah. The demons recognize who Jesus is. <laughs> right. So there's so many people out there that say, well, there's no hell. Hell is a literary construct. Hell is something that was created by the church to scare people into faith. Uh, No. Uh, Jesus talks about hell more times than he talks about heaven. He doesn't use the word hell because remember the, uh, the, the word Hades in Greek or Gehenna, or, or sorry, Hades or Sheol in Hebrew or Hades in Greek is the abode of the dead, right? So that's where Adam, Eve, Moses, David, you know, Micah, all the prophets, all the people in the Old Testament and, 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 and up to Joseph, right? Who died, they went to the abode of the dead. When, when Jesus talks about hell, uh, he's talking about the, the uh, image he uses is Gehenna, right? Gehenna is a um, was a garbage dump, which was outside the city of Jerusalem uh, oh. that, they, that, that they used to burn the fire, uh, that they used to burn the garbage. And in fact, if you go to Jerusalem, now Jerusalem has spread, now that place, Gehenna, is actually inside the, the current city of Jerusalem, but there's still nothing built on it. From the time of Jesus until now, there's nothing built on that land. Why? Because that was where the pagans used to sacrifice their children to demons. That's where they used to kill innocent mm. blood and spill the blood of innocent people in order to sacrifice to their, to their gods, right? To their demons. And so, um, uh, so Jesus uses that imagery when he describes hell, the where he says the, the, the fire does not go out and the, the worm does not die. So he's talking about everlasting separation from God forever. Okay. So the demons, they recognize who Jesus is. So there are demons. This this is real. 
I mean, demons are real. The devil is real. Hell is real. We we don't like to think about it. Let's be, I mean, who, who wants to spend time like, f- focusing on that? But the reality is um, God doesn't send anybody to hell. God doesn't uh, uh, command anybody to go to hell. God doesn't throw anybody into hell. We choose hell. All God is doing when we go to hell, he's respecting our free will decision to say no to his invitation to love and to life and to intimacy and communion. So we have to live as men a life of sacrifice, a life of death, right? So what is this death? When we stood at the altar and we and we made the vows, or when a priest is ordained, he makes vows and, and makes promises and vows before God and the bishop. Uh, you know, that's that's the covenant that we enter into with God. Those are sacred promises that we make before God that we will be held accountable for as men. And so when we when we make those promises before God, we we are committing our lives to him. We're saying I have died and now I live for Christ. Right. Um, my husbandship and my fatherhood are rooted in. In, in the fatherhood and in the husbandship of Christ. Remember Ephesians chapter five, husbands love your bride, your wives as Christ loved the church. See, so Christ, the bridegroom, giving life to his bride, the church. And we as uh, physical husbands give our lives and, and die to ourselves to give life to our families, to our children, to our society and as priests to the church, right? So, so, that, those are things we need to be thinking about as we look at what's happening here in this encounter. It's the demons who recognize. Now, remember, Jesus doesn't cast the demons into hell because there's no hell yet, right? And that's why he cast them into the pig. But interesting, Jesus asks, what is your name? And he says, Legion, for there were many had entered him. You know, and we can think about us as men. We all have our demons as well. Some men are addicted to pornography, right? And, and to lust because they don't have a proper understanding of the feminine, right? Maybe they grew up with, with uh, images of uh, pornography, uh, especially now with, with smartphones and the technology way it is. Now you can get all that kind of stuff for free. It's v- very easy access to all of that. Uh, you know, we, we have men that are angry. Maybe, because maybe they were abused when they were younger. Now they're just angry. You know, and and they take that anger out on other people. You know, something happened to them that they couldn't control, and and the only way they can deal with it is to do the same thing that was done to them to other people. You know, um, so there's all look, we all are carrying around baggage, right? We all have our demons, we all have our sins that we that we wrestle with, that we struggle with, right? But but what happens in that struggle? We, we encounter Christ, right? We, we, we all try to figure it out on our own. We, we, we have to encounter the living God in Jesus Christ. And that's what this man does. And the demons even recognize that. And so Jesus, right, asked them, their name it says Legion. So all of us are dealing with either one or multiple things in our lives that, that need God's attention. But so we, that should not be, even though that's true, that should not be uh, prohibit us from going to meet Jesus. Right. From not being afraid to, even though we are sinful, to have that encounter with Christ. Hmm. You know, um, I don't know how many times, you know, um, uh, people have come to me and want to say something wonderful about me. And I'm thinking, man, if they only knew, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I, I mean, I'm nobody special. I mean, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a child of God. I, I'm just, I'm just like everybody else, except that I, I recognize that God wants to do something in me and I'm cooperating with that grace. But in order to do that effectively, we have to love God more than we love our sin. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation. Yeah. Now you're talking about all the demons in the world and the different things we struggle with. I think a big thing these days, uh, actually the day before he was elected Pope, Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, then became Pope Benedict. Um, God rest his soul. He's passed away just a few weeks ago at the time of this recording, but he warned about a dictatorship of relativism. Now in a previous podcast, actually the one when you were live in Australia with us, we talked about the cancel culture and, and sticking to the mainstream narrative. Uh, if people hear the, the same narrative over and over and over and over and over again, they, they really do start to believe it and, and, and let it sort of form them, dictate the way they act, rather than think for themselves about any particular situation and form their own consciences based on truth. Is this a this dictatorship of relativism that, that Pope Benedict spoke about all that time ago, this is something we're really still struggling with and, and something that leads right into the struggle that men have with a lot of issues today, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because what's happening, the culture is trying to redefine truth, mm-hmm. right? And we even have cultural affirmations. You know, we say that may be true for you, but that's not true for me. That may be your truth, but that's not my truth, right? I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. So, so all those kinds of things. And, and what happens, and this, unfortunately, <laughs> often the church is slow or the church is reticent to speak out boldly uh, against these attacks uh, uh, on, on our spirituality and our faith. Um, and so without that voice, without that strong counter narrative, people are buying the narrative that the culture is giving them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Paul warns us about this. And, and I, I speak about this quite a bit. And sometimes, you know, um, I, I think a, a lot of people are reticent to talk about this kind of thing, Mark, because they're going to get attacked. You know, and I was attacked last year uh, at, at a particular city that I went to. And I spoke the truth in love, in, in love, Ephesians 4.15. I spoke the truth in love and was attacked for it. And so I think a lot of people are going to be reluctant to want to hear a message that's counter to the culture because they're, they're going to be ostracized for it. They may, you know, they may lose some friends. They may lose followers on Facebook. They may not get um, as many likes on social media, whatever it is, you know, but, but for me, I don't care. You know, I mean, you know, uh, we, we have to, we have to speak boldly. Jesus and all, and all of the, uh, the, the, many of the martyrs that came after him, they gave their lives right? They give their lives for the truth. Because what is the truth? The truth is not an idea of philosophy. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we have to remember that the truth that we're following is a person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the truth of Christ, he guarantees us, will set us free. To set us free to become the person who God created us to be. The, the, the elusive freedom um, which is basically uh, smoke and mirrors, right? The, the, the freedom of the, the so-called freedom of the culture actually makes us slaves. We become a slave to our passions. 
We become a slave to our addictions. We become a, a slave to all those things that separates us from God's love. That's the danger of more relativism. It's actually not freedom at all. It's slavery. And and we we get basically forced to go along with whatever the culture is telling us is this is the way to go. This is the way we should live. This is the way we should raise a family. This is how many people we should have in our family. All these different things that that because the men as the leaders in society uh uh, they're under attack with this cultural influence the most. One of the big things that's come out, uh, and, and you know how they put labels on things, one of the big labels that's come out and is very uh, mainstream these days is the label of toxic masculinity. Now, what does that actually mean? <laughs> the, see, here's the thing. I, we, we always have to have labels for things, right? Toxic masculinity. And so when you look at toxic masculinity, they look at, for example, um, the sex abuse, or they look at, uh, the, uh, you know, in, here in the United States, you know, Hollywood, how these producers and high level directors used to take these women. If you want the part in a movie, you have to provide mm -hmm. sexual favors and things like that. Um, the, the rape, uh, you know, all those kinds of things the, the, you know, when the culture sees that the way it's envisioned on television or it's, or even the buffoon, right. If you look at, so many shows on certain television networks, even Disney and, and other places, they men are idiots. They're buffoons. They're not. They're they're not to be taken seriously. They're womanizing. They're money grubbers. All they want is money, power, wealth, authority. You know that that's not that's the toxic masculinity. That's that's not real manhood at all. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But again, we fall for the lie instead of taking a step back and trying to truly understand what it means to be an authentic man of God, and that's. The work that I've that I've tried to do um, for the last oh gosh since I was ordained for so twenty years now uh, mm -hmm. I've been working diligently to to help to guide men you know and I, I just read one of my I don't really read a lot of these but every once in a while I'll take a look at the, the my reviews on Amazon or mm -hmm. something like that and one guy wrote about the Behold the Man book which came out in two thousand and fifteen right so the book's like uh, eight years old. Um, he said, it changed my life and my marriage. I was like, wow, you know, so, so there's, there's, there's something there, right? I, I, I think, um, what, what I try to do is really capture a, a, an authentic sense. That's the counter narrative to fighting toxic masculinity and, and, and the lies of the culture, how men are portrayed. Um, so what I try to do in that book, um, and, and on the, and on the, the, the DVD series as well, is to really paint a, a different picture that, and I think the picture that, that I paint, which is really just the message of Jesus Christ, really, and, and St. John Paul II and St. Paul, um, really is very attractive to men, right? Because the attraction of moral relativism fades when the pleasure is gone, right? The, the, the pleasure and the sin that's associated with moral relativism, when that fades away, there's nothing, right? There's nothing. So um, f for us then as men, we have to have a firm, just like a, a plant has to have firm roots, something to, to root itself in. We root ourselves in our, our one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. And that's what roots us and that's what guides us. The toxic masculinity examples that you gave there in, in the TV shows and the movies and the way they portray, portray the male figures, there's actually... 
I think the reason it's so effective is number one, it's, it's cheap laughs. It's, it's sort of self-deprecating humor in a way that the male actor is happy to get up there and, and portray himself in that way because he's going to get the laugh and, and, and everyone laughs along. And so he, he, he sort of ticked that box. But I think the other reason it's effective is because there is a truth there under the surface that they base, I mean, the comedy works. We talk about sitcoms. There's a lot of sitcoms. We don't need to mention them by name. I'm sure people can, can think of many examples of this in sitcoms. But the reason comedy works the best is when it's based in truth. And this whole um, trope of the, the bumbling father and husband and the strong woman there that keep him on track, there actually is truth in that. And the truth is that as husbands, as fathers, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We need our wife there for our support. And the, 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 the role in the marriage, the husband and the wife, both roles are essential. You're not a, you're not a husband without a wife, you know, and in the, in the traditional way it's meant to be. You are not a husband unless your wife is there. And, and there is a truth that we have our failings. We have our faults. And the wife is our support. As, as you've said before, she's our, our battle partner. I can't remember the, the, the term that you use it, um, but the translates yeah, to, to go, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. And it translates to our battle yeah. partner. She is there. And so in the way these things are portrayed in, in mainstream media and TV and movies, the, the bumbling father is just a caricature of a man who has his faults and the the wife that comes in and swoops in and saves the day is a caricature of the supportive wife who is there as the battle partner. So there is a truth to it, but we turn it into a caricature. But then the caricature, because we see it so often, that's now our new normal. It's not a caricature anymore. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's so true. And I think um, uh, also what's going on there. Um, because it is, it is rooted in truth, right? Uh, we, we've, we've, in a sense, we've forgotten who we are as men, right? And, and so when we see ourselves portrayed, I mean, women start to think that that's actually what men are like. You know, if they're not used to seeing a real man, because what a real man is, is not someone who abuses his wife. In fact, I mentioned this when I talk about Ephesians 5, when, when, when it says, wives be submissive to your husbands, right? The word there, hupotasso in Greek. Uh, is a military word where the um, uh, for uh, a group of soldiers who place themselves under the mission and direct uh, direction of a leader who's typically a general, right? Mm -hmm. And so, although Paul is saying that wives place themselves under their husband's mission, his mission is to what? Love his wife as Christ loved the church, to die to himself and to live for them, right? And it goes back to serving, protecting, and defending. That's what men are called to do. By God in the in the very first uh, uh, chapter two of of uh, first part of Genesis chapter two, we puts the man in the garden to till and to keep it. He's giving us mission, his calling, his vocation, and we've forgotten. The more we we walk away from our faith, the further we are from a relationship with Christ. The more we have to we bind to the lie of the culture. The, you know, we 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 lose ourselves into the culturals because if if we're not going to follow Christ, we're going to follow somebody. <laughs> right, and so what we're doing is we're we're following the lies of the culture now, um, and so yes, in, in a sense we've you know uh, we've we've lost ourselves as men, and we I think we've also got a little bit too lazy and too complacent as well. Um, you know, no uh, in, our, in our country, no fault divorce, 
you know, um, and, 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 uh, the rise of feminism and, 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 um, uh, uh, the, the sexual revolution, all of those things began to, un, you know, slowly began to undermine the authority of men. Now, when, when we say that the authority of men, we're talking about uh, authority that's rooted in service, because that's the model that Jesus Christ gives for manhood. That wow. headship and leadership and authority is rooted in service, right? Is when we give ourselves away in love is when we truly find ourselves in God as men. And so, uh, that's something we could we could never forget. So we so we have to be as Catholic men have to be living witnesses and and living contradictions to toxic masculinity. So this culture can actually see and experience what it's like to be an authentic man of God. So we've painted a bit of a picture of the troubles that men face being able to live as men of God in the world. Let's try and get practical here as we as we wrap this up obviously we've now established that the male role in whatever relationship whether it's married life whether it's religious life whether it's single life we are called to a life of service in reality that's something really challenging as we've said it's something very countercultural these days it's the culture we live for ourselves in this current culture and that's well that's at least what we're, we're told we should be doing but we definitely shouldn't be Practically, what are some ways uh, that we can actually really tune into our, our call, our vocations in life, and knowing that we have to live against the culture, what are some ways that we can do that effectively and practically? All right. Well, I want to talk about that within the context of just kind of wrapping up the the, uh, the pericope here from Luke chapter 8. And sure. so... So Jesus then takes uh, he, he, the, the man encounters Christ and the first people that meet him in that man are the demons. So Jesus takes the demons and casts them into into the pigs and they run down the hill into. Now, notice that he didn't get cast into hell because there is no hell yet. OK, because because there's only the the Sheol and Hades, the abode of the dead. Hell comes after Jesus rises from the dead. He goes down to Hades and Sheol a Holy Saturday, takes those souls out of uh out of the abode of the dead to heaven and then at that at that point you can make a cho- you could make a choice because you know you can eternally separate yourself from the love of Christ um at at that point so he cast them into the swine and the swine run and drown themselves but then here's the key so after the sin is after his encounter with Christ after he brought that and so one of the practical things sacrament of reconciliation the sacrament of reconciliation, frequent use of the sacrament, um, going again, going to Christ in the priest, right? Cause it's, it's Jesus Christ. Who's forgiving the sin through the priest, through the ministry of the priest in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on those apostles and said, uh, receive the Holy spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. So priests have specific and direct authority to forgive sins, uh, in Jesus name. And so going to the sacrament of reconciliation frequently uh, for mortal sin, of course, um, is extremely important. And then cooperating with the grace that we receive after we encounter him in that sacrament. Because look what happens here. After he encounters Christ and the sin is gone, you know, all the people came to see. What did they notice about the man? The man was now sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. So he's no longer in the tombs. 
He's now sitting at the feet of Jesus. In a sense, he's become a disciple of Christ. A, a disciple is one who hears, accepts, and puts into uh, practice in their life every day the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? So he becomes a disciple. He is clothed because now his dignity is restored and in his right mind. He's no longer thinking like the culture. He's thinking like a follower of Christ, right? That, so, so the practical advice, what can we do every day as men to encounter Christ? Sacred reconciliation, uh, going to mass frequently, not just Sunday. Uh, I would encourage men to go, if you can add even just one more mass a week, just one more mass a week to encounter Jesus Christ in word and in sacrament, um, to go to Eucharist adoration at least one hour a week, 168 hours in a week, one hour a week before Jesus and, and the blessed hour. Again, you want to create space and create opportunity for that encounter uh, uh, encounter of Christ to happen, right? Um, what is this things you can get rid of the pride? You know, washing your wife's feet, right? Uh, Jesus washes the feet of the apostles in John's gospel, right? Because he's 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 showing them that was something only a slave would do: wash the feet. That headship, leadership, and authority is rooted in service. So to wash the the, the feet of your wife and wash the feet of your children, to remind yourself. As a husband and a father, what is what your role is in that family to serve, protect, and defend? I would also say, put away, stop watching all the television, especially the the, the mindless shows and the sitcoms and the news. Right? That's that's those those things are poison. Now, going back to your original point, Mark. Yes, there are times where you have to decompress. Right? I mean, for me, it's always the last two weeks of December. Because I, I have a very heavy travel schedule, and when uh, when Christmas is here, I just want to. I don't. I don't really look at emails a whole lot. I, I don't do a lot of business. You know, I, I just want to just relax, maybe binge watch something. You know, a, a television series or something, and, and and just be with my family. And you know, I just really spend that time to to recharge the batteries, right? Uh, I mean, of course, I'm praying that whole time the rosary. Um, I, you know, I did my cardio this morning and I went and, and did my road rosary while I went on a five mile walk or uh, what is that? The two and a 2.5 kilometer walk, you I know, know the conversion. And, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trying to do conversion. Right. Uh, no, actually be more than that. It'd be more like almost 10 K, I guess. It'd be very sort of yeah. eight and a half, nine K, wouldn't it? Or something in yeah, there. Yeah, and have nine K. So, so something, in that, something in that range. Yeah, so, so while I'm doing that, praying the rosary. So as you, if you're in your car driving, what are you listening to? Take some time to listen to something from Perusia Media. If you still have a CD player in your car, play that or USB. You know, uh, listen, if you have Catholic radio, listen to that. You know, start filling your mind and your heart with things that are going to turn you toward Christ to help you become a disciple, to encounter him just like this man did. And then what happens when, you know, when that happens, Mark, what, what's the last piece of this? He wanted to be with Jesus, right? He, his whole life completely changed and he wanted to be with Jesus. Um, and Jesus tells him, no, return to your home uh, and, and declare how much God has done for you. So that's what we have to do. We have to bear witness to what God has done for us. So when God does make a change, when we say yes to what God wants to do in our life as men, we can't keep it to ourselves, right? And the best way to witness is not just talk about it, but by by uh, showing people, okay, here's, you know, take your family to church. 
right? Leading them in their spirit, leading the prayers at home, not just mom doing it, but, but mm-hmm. you as the, as the priest in that house, leading the prayers and by your witness and lived example is how we're going to get our children to heaven and how we're going to take back this culture and how we're going to upbuild our church. Fantastic. And just one thing I'd like to add from my own perspective on that, finding time for, for the unwinding, for the relaxation, I would definitely suggest don't get to relaxation time and then think now, what am I going to do? Because ultimately you've already switched off. You're going to make a bad choice potentially in that point. So I would always recommend plan ahead for what you will do when that time comes. So if you're going to be watching a TV series, get something that's worth watching. Don't just watch whatever comes on when you, when you turn the TV on. Uh, if you're going to be reading, get something that's worth reading. Plan ahead what book you're going to pick up or what articles you're going to look through. But be intentional about the activity and p- give it enough respect and, and, and understanding that you want to make this time useful for what it is. Sure, it's not work, but you still want to make it useful, beneficial for you. So, yeah, definitely plan ahead and, and, and find something intentional before you get to the point where you've switched off and you just don't have the brain space to actually consider anymore because then we're most likely to actually just sit down and let whatever is in front of us wash over us. And it may or may not be something worthwhile. But at that point, it's, it's too late. We've already switched off and we, we've stopped discerning the benefit of it. So, yeah, that would be the, the thing that I would add to that as well is, yes, relaxation is important, but plan ahead and prepare for what you will do uh, in that time as well. Um, yeah, great well, advice. Yeah, we're, we're coming to the end of the time, Deacon, today. Um, just before we do go, I would just like to share a few resources. So I held up at the start this particular DVD. So this is the original EWTN DVD series or TV series at the time, but now on DVD, Behold the Man. So so you can get this through Perusia and through the EWTN religious catalogue. That's still available to those who are still able to to play DVDs. Um, and as I mentioned, it also we've transferred... Um, um, the, the series we talked about at the start, the Ignite Bible series from a book, there's DVD and audios that have been transferred to a USB. So you mentioned just now, Deacon, that USB is a format where you can get audio and video that you can still bypass the, the problem of not having the CD player or the DVD player anymore. So that's a fantastic series that, that we mentioned at the start that you can go on with. Uh, and also throughout the discussion there, you mentioned your book, Behold the Man which is published by Ignatius. So that is available here in Australia. Uh, we, we print this and distribute this here in Australia. Or if you're in the States, you can still get that through Ignatius Press. So, so just a few really good resources there. Um, if you're planning some recreation time and to make it intentional, you can definitely look at some of those. I think there'd be some very worthwhile uh, material there to be, uh, to be delving into. Um, but other than that, um, Deacon, you also, uh, a lot of the, the talks in this particular podcast series, a lot of the discussion topics you've presented talks on in the past, and they're also available on this USB device, which has at the moment 22 talks across various topics that you've delivered presentations on over the years. So there's 22 talks available at the moment. So that is available at the store page of deaconharold.com. And it's also available on the store page at perusiamedia.com. So I highly recommend that resource as well as something to, to put on in, in the car if your car plays USB or in your computer or other device. Definitely heaps of wonderful content in there as well. So Deacon, you're a wealth of knowledge. You've got resources everywhere. And I think people really do need to, to avail themselves of the wisdom through, throughout these resources. So thank you for your time again today. And, and for your expertise on this particular topic. 
Thank you, Mark. It's great to be with you as always. And, and if you want to find anything out about Deacon Harrell, where his upcoming speaking events are or, or any other information about Deacon Harrell, you can go to deaconharrell.com. And to find out anything more about what we're doing here at Perusia in Australia at perusiamedia.com. That's all we have time for today on Speaking with Deacon. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to your company next time. God bless you.